Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's Eric Lamella with the corner kick for Tottenham Hotspur. Urante didn't win it, but it's in by Dyer. Foul for him. And he said, thank you very much indeed. First Premier League goal of the season for Eric Dyer. A troubled season of illness and injury for him, but he's finishing it with a goal. But it is Eriksson, and it's brilliant. 2-2. Master craftsman from those free kicks. Hello there guys and welcome back to the last word on Spurs. We're reflecting on that 2-2 draw against Everton. But in reality, I don't think any of us have come to terms with the fact that Tottenham Hotspur are in a Champions League final. More to come on that, but we have to discuss the game at the weekend. Our final Premier League fixture against Everton, which saw a draw play out at the new stadium. Back on the show tonight, I've got alongside me as usual, Jason McGovern. Jace, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Just about recovered from the semi and uh, can't wait now. Three weeks is, is too long to wait, isn't it? I wish it was tomorrow. Oh, big semi though, Jace, wasn't it? That's now out of the way. Oh, I don't know. You, you've always said you've had a big semi, but it doesn't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much wedding talk from you, mate. It's too early, Jay. Started too early. Rick's still, Rick's still on the honeymoon, mate, with a oh, big semi. God, here we go. He's had a big semi for weeks, I think. See, Jason, Lee loves this show because he can get away with Blue Murder on this one with the radio having to rein him in. But listen, Lee McQueen's totally. great, of course. Lee, how are you? Yes. Yes, I'm very well, thanks, boys and uh, and listeners. And I have not been on this podcast for I have no idea how long. But as you say, love sport, lovely. But this this is where it's at, and I don't have to hold my tongue this time, man. So uh, en- enjoy the next hour or so. I know, right? So if you want, and Lee, obviously, we're going to get your first reaction of mine to Spurs in a Champions League final as well. How much are you looking forward to talking about that? That's been a shocking season, really, isn't it? To get into the Champions League final. <laughs> what is it? No signings, uh, n- not playing at home, no stadium. Pochettino going to Man United, uh, absolute shocker. Man City, oh, we're never going to beat Man City. Ajax, oh, we're never going to beat Ajax. And here we have it. We're in the Champions League final. Absolutely incredible. And I'm sure we're going to detail about it. But my word, what a night. And the irony is, Lee, that Pochettino is really off to Madrid, isn't he? And he's taking us there with him. Well, I think Jay said before on, on last week's show, wasn't it? I've on a pod on on Love Sport when he said about you know often people say that he has to go to Madrid to win trophies. Well, but there you go. Well, well he has to go to Madrid and he's gonna because we're going to lift that trophy and create history for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Fingers crossed, Lee. Honestly, get already getting goosebumps even talking about it. God, when that day comes, what are we all going to be like? Well, listen, we're delighted to have this guy back on the show, regular contributor in Ashley Watts. Ash, how are you? 
I'm great, thanks, mate. I'm I'm just absolutely buzzing for that final in three weeks' time. Aren't we all? Ash, sure, it's a weird atmosphere because I think it was all at the lane, the majority of us on Sunday. And, you know, obviously there was a game on, but you wouldn't have thought it because the, the carnival atmosphere of Spurs being in a Champions League final, I mean, it hasn't sunk in. I'm still talking about it. We've got to do Everton first. I tell you what, we're going to do Everton, get it out of the way. Then we're going to have, obviously, a lot more talk about the Champions League final. Jace, let me kick things off with you because Spurs secured Champions League football for a fourth consecutive season under Maurizio Pochettino. They also finished above Arsenal for a third consecutive season in the Premier League. And we can now prepare for a huge Champions League final, Jace. But I think the Everton game itself it was a bit of a typical end of season affair. Do you think, Jace, in a way? Well, it was a, it was an upturn in our recent form, wasn't it? Premier League to to get a draw was a decent point. <laughs> That's true. You know, I was I was looking to qualify for the Champions League again with uh, two straight defeats, but the boys ruined it for me by nicking a point. But uh, <laughs> but no, it was uh, as you say. I think. You know, the only way there would have been excitement is if is if Woolwich had gone two or three nil up early and we'd gone a goal down or something. Then you might have had a, a different game. But really, I think once Eric Dyer scored what two minutes in, then you know any thought of an eight goal swing more or less disappeared at that point, didn't it? And I think Woolwich was nil nil even at half time, wasn't it? So you know there was obviously nothing nothing was going to happen in that second half, and we kind of came out and the, as you say, the game kind of drifted by and. Um, well, when we did need to step it up and get ourselves back on level terms, it only took us two minutes to do that. So, you know, not the best way to finish, I suppose. But I think, you know, the, the players have gone through so much since since Wednesday night, so much mental energy and things like that, that it wasn't a surprise that the game kind of did. I, th- I think we even on last week's show, I said it would, would be a kind of drifting game, although I thought we'd win it 1-0. But I did say on the radio, it would kind of the second half would just drift by and Lee, you mentioned, you know, as you brought up there, you know, Spurs to secure the yeah. top four Champions League spot despite, you know, a stadium transition, playing away from home for three quarters of a season, players late back from a World Cup, multiple injuries, no sign of the two consecutive windows. I mean, Maurizio Pochettino is magic, isn't he, for what he's done here? And we, like I say, we've got Champions League finals to look forward to, Lee, as well. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, I was in the wall on uh, on Sunday and uh, trying to sing, do our best. I think most of the people around me couldn't sing because we'd still lost our voices from Wednesday. <laughs> and I, I was really struggling. As soon as I started, I went to Spurs. I was like, oh, OK, that's a bit of a struggle. Um, yes, it was a kind of atmosphere. Um, when we went 1-0 up, I was absolutely flabbergasted. I think that's the first time we've scored in the first... 10 minutes of a, of a game for all season. It's certainly in 2019, I think. Um, so to, to, to go 1-0 up and, and obviously Eric Dyer as well. A lot of people last week calling for his head. Uh, ship him out. Let's get rid of him. Um, but actually, you know, he come up with a, with a, with a goal to put us 1-0 up. And, uh, and realistically, the, the game just kind of, like Jason said, it just drifted along a little bit, I thought. Big goal for Eric Dyer there, you discussed, Lee. I mean, what do you think of his future? We're going to discuss it probably later in the show, but you mentioned Eric Dyer getting stick. Where are you for you and Eric Dyer? I, I think he needs to get fit, Rick, and, and, and the guys and the listeners. I think, you know, we've got to give him a bit of slack. I think it's the same with a lot of these players. Uh, you mentioned there, you know, the transition between the World Cup and people not having a lot of rest and so on and so forth, and a lot of injuries. Um, and I think, again, Jace brought up last week on, on the radio that Eric Dyer... 
uh, it's not even just been injuries with him, has it? It's been, you know, uh, we have laryngitis or tonsillitis, he had appendicitis, you know, so they're illnesses as well. So, you know, I think you've got to give the guy a, a bit of slack. I, I'm confident that he can get back to a, a very high standard. I mean, he was playing in the World Cup, in, in our central midfield in the World Cup, you know, which we got to the semi-final of. So, you know, you don't become a bad player overnight, but I think that we've got to give him some time to get fit. It's a little bit like Wanyama as well. You know, I'm not saying that Wanyama is going to be world-class, well-beater again. But, you know, he's only played, what is it now, seven, Jace, Ash? What was it, seven or eight games on the trot now? And, and he's been thrown back into after a massive injury. So, again, I, I just think that with big pre-seasons under their belts, it could be it could be slightly different. But I we'll probably Wanyama probably won't be with us next year. But, you know, I think players coming back from injury... Us fans, me included, expect them to just start straight away and get back into top form. But it takes a good seven, eight, nine games to get, get that, that sharpness back, that fitness back. I think you saw it with Deli Alley. I think, to be fair, against Ajax, that was the first game back since he, he, um, he, he's been back in the side since his hamstring injury. That's probably the first game that he really showed the Deli Alley um, magic. Ash, let's bring you in because it was an entertaining end to the final league game of the season after those quick-fire goals in the second half. I mean, Spurs, we do miss out on third place. A win would have done it, but we wrap up fourth. I mean, everyone, Ash, I think, would have taken that at the beginning of the season, wouldn't they, with amidst all the concern about, you know, like I discussed, you know, the no signings, the stadium transition, players coming back late from the World Cup. I mean, what have you made of this topsy-turvy season, Ash? Yeah, I, I think... Um... Our expectations have been probably a bit distorted from the start we got because we did start off really well. We won like what was it like eight out of ten away games, and we're we're finding our feet at Wembley still. But we're putting in some good performances, and people thought, oh, maybe we can push on. And we had that like talk of the title and whatnot. But realistically, um, we finished what third last year. We didn't invest. All the teams around us invested, so. And we, we, we still weren't back home. So what more can you expect, really? You can't really expect us to be challenging those top two who spent, what, two, three hundred million on play, on players. So, I, I mean, from the, at the start of the season, we were probably tipped by most of the pundits to be fifth or sixth. So coming coming in top four is, is, is probably overachieving. And then when you add in a semi-final of a League Cup and you add in a, a little Champions League final, then um, it starts to make the season look a bit better. Michael. A little cheeky Champions League final, Ash, eh? A little cheeky <laughs> Champions League final. Just, just on that, if, if I may, just uh, just jump in a bit. I, I'm gonna, I am going to use a word, maybe it's a little bit strong, but I am disappointed that we didn't finish third. You know, Pochettino comes out, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about his comments later in the show, but Pochettino comes out and talks about it's time to change our mentality, it's time to become a bigger club and act like a big club and so on and so forth. And by the, his very own statements about what else can I do if I win the Champions League, I may as well leave. Is, is making us feel like a small club and actually not finishing top three after the season that we had and the points total that we had uh, before the Burnley game and actually coming into the last game of the season and all we, all we needed to do, as it turned out, is win the home game to, to finish top three. I, I actually think it's a little bit disappointing. Now, I'm not having a moan. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, Pep wouldn't have made that... I'm not... You know, Pep and the way that he's got his City players playing that wouldn't have happened to them. Do you know what I mean? So there's still some learning there for Spurs and this group of players and the manager to make sure that we're, we're ruthless enough to finish as high as we can be. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's my feeling. No, I mean, Jase, pick up on that point, Jase, because we have to also remember that Spurs have been playing at Wembley, Milton Keynes, 
Tottenham, Madrid. I mean, what a journey for this Spurs team. And to finish above Arsenal, Man United, all things considered, Jace, a very good but an odd season. But pick up on Lee's point there about the mentality. Would you disappointed the fact that the club didn't go on to finish in that third spot? We'd been there for so much of the season, Jace. Well, I think we should have done, and we had long enough to seal third, let's be fair about it. We, we was, what, 10 points clear in third at one stage? and But I, I kind of, you know, it would have been nice if we'd have, we'd have got it Sunday, but I, I just think so much had gone through on Wednesday night, so much so much physical and mental energy that, that you know, the, the, the boys were running on empty on Sunday. And, and as, you know, whether Pep would have allowed it, Pep would have been able to change that squad around and bring in a hell of a lot of new players, which, you know, Sonny was suspended, wasn't he? Foyth was suspended. We ended up having, you know, having to play Ben Davis, Danny Rose rested and things like that. So I think it was just a lot of Derek Dyer playing in the back four and things. So I think it was just, just one of those, mate. I, I think where we, we got it wrong is we should have sealed third. You know, let's be fair about it. We should have sealed third several weeks ago, shouldn't we? Even at the Bournemouth game last week. I mean, until the sending's off where I honestly thought we would, would seal everything down. But um, I, I'll forgive them for, for Sunday's display, that's for sure. It just feels a little bit a bit a bit of sweet, you know. Yeah, we're in the Champions League final, but you know we could have had under Potticino, we could have had top uh, four uh, four top four finishes, but three of them could have been, you know, uh, two of them threes and one of them. Two, do you know what I mean, it just feels like a fourth place finish was so close to being a third place finish. So that's that's all I was saying, really. No, I think he's getting a bit too greedy. I mean, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, fair enough, fair enough. But look, we've got to think big. That's what Potch keeps telling us. Yeah, I mean, I mean, albeit think big, but think realistic in terms of the start of the season and the expectations. I, it's hard because obviously throughout the season expectations change, and and then people ultimately think, oh, we didn't hit what we were looking to achieve in like March, April time. Oh, so it must be a failure. But if I if I offered you at the beginning of the season, we're going to get fourth place. We're going to seal it with uh, a game to spare. We're going to have a run in the cup. We're only going to get knocked out in the League Cup on penalties in the semi-final. Bit unlucky. Um, we're not going to move into the stadium until five games uh, until the end, but we're still going to get through to a Champions League final. I mean, Kane's going to be out for three months. We haven't missed him because Sonny's going to pick up. Like if, if, if someone said that all to me at the start of the season, then you're 100% bite, bite your hand off for the season we've had. I think it's just because we've been overachieving at the start that all these expectations have changed and then it ultimately people think you failed. But in if you look at it overall, I think it has been a good season. Joy, on that point, there actually yeah, you know, fair enough. Spurs, I think it's four consecutive top four finishes in the top flight. It's our best run since a run of five between 1959 to 60 and 63 to 64. And I think that, again, just reiterates the fact of how well the Spurs team have been doing the last, you know, two, three seasons under Maurizio to keep going, you know, to qualify for the Champions League for a fourth consecutive season, that can't be underplayed. And again, you know, the ironic thing is we finish above Arsenal. Nobody even talks about it anymore. It doesn't even get any coverage from the media. I mean, Hugo Lloris says, you know, we've got bigger priorities now. And I think that is just says where Spurs are as a football club today. And it's just incredible to, to believe where we're at. And, Jace, let's reflect back on the team who's ahead of the game against Everton. Because it was five trainers from Ajax with Son and four suspended. Kane, Winks, Sanchez, Rose, Ratong and all unfit. So Walker Peters got the nod over Oria, who was on the bench. What did you make of the team, Jace, when you saw the line-up? Well, I think we'd said on the on the radio show on the Thursday, it was just a question of, of who's available was pretty much guaranteed to start because we, we knew Yan had gone, we knew Vertonghen had, uh, 
We knew uh, Yana gone. We knew when Yama had, had picked up a knock on the the Thursday night or the Wednesday night rather. And with the suspensions to Fife and Sonny, it really was a case of of just who who's available, and you, you've more or less got to start. And I suppose the only other option that you might have been able to do would have been to play Ben Davis as the left sided centre back and Rose. But I think uh, Rose was ill or whatever because he wasn't even. There for the for the uh, lap of appreciation was he, Danny Rose? So he was on the Heinekens, mate. He's probably still on the Heinekens. <laughs> yeah. still, still on those. <laughs> so you know, I suppose that that meant Walker Peters had to play it right back. Presumably, Aurier isn't isn't one hundred percent fit yet. So you know, and I think it's just a question now. The only team news we're all waiting for. Let's be fair about it now. Is is the team news on the first of June, mate? That's, of course, that's the only one we're waiting for. Jace, questioning from. R.A. Gordon, R.A. Gordon 8, who says, with regards to Carl Walker-Peters, where do we go from here? Obviously, he wasn't too impressed by his performance. Jace, what did you think of it? I thought he did okay, second half on that. I think, you know, what he really needs is, is week in, week out, regular, under-pressure football. And um, ideally, at Premier League level, if, if Tottenham aren't prepared to give him that, then, then I'd certainly hope we get a, a really good loan deal for him for... You know, one of the promoted clubs or whatever, something like that. And he, he needs to play. You know, I'd like to see him get through 20, 25 Premier League games next year. And, and then maybe we'll be in a position to to, to make a decision on him. But it, it's very difficult when he comes in for a Premier League game and then it's six weeks without one. And then he, you know, he'll play Tranmere in the cup. And you think, well, you're not really going to find out too much. And then there's another four or five weeks where he doesn't play. Then he gets one here. So you know, it's very difficult for him when he's, he's coming in like that. I, I just, you know, as I say, I think give him a run of game somewhere. And if it's not at Tottenham, then hopefully we get a loan deal. But I'm certainly not ready to cast him aside and say he's clearly not going to make the grade. But I think, you know, the jury's obviously out and we, we need to, to see him play more regularly. I agree with that one. Now, Lee, you've already brought Eric Dyer up and we finally got a decent corner. And it's from the boot of Eric Lamella with a curling and swinging effort that Lorente can't quite get his head on and it fell to Dyer's feet and he smashed it in to give Spurs a lead after just three minutes. You mentioned it there, Lee, very early in the show about how nice it was to get an early goal. We don't get many, do we, at home? We don't, and I think that's what's been really um, surprising, actually, uh, especially since we moved into the new stadium. Ash, Ash talked about earlier about, uh, you know, five months uh, or five games left uh, and, and we've moved into the new stadium. And, and I was absolutely convinced. I've said on so many times on the radio show that we'd never lose a game in the new stadium this year. And how wrong was I? Um, you know, we, we lost to West Ham and we, we lost to Ajax, obviously. And, you know, taking a um, you know a two-two with Everton, I, th- I thought it was guaranteed fifteen points at, at some stage. That one one game at a time didn't didn't uh, pan out for me, did it, Chase? Um, but so so I'm I'm looking at looking at the uh, you know scoring a goal. I think I think it was right in saying I, I might be slightly wrong. I can't remember when we scored for, with Palace, but. Huddersfield was the only game in 2019 that we scored in the first 20 minutes of a game uh, previous to, to the Everton game. So to get that early goal sort of settled everybody's nerves. As Jay said earlier, you know, if Arsenal go and get two or three early goals and then all of a sudden we go 1-0 down, you know, the nerves start jangling. So that was never on the cards because we got that early goal and a fair play to Eric Dyer. And Ash, you know, Everton, they'd kept six clean sheets in their previous seven matches, so it was no mean feat to get a goal so early. I mean, Everton, they made a real hash of dealing with Lamella's corner, but Dyer, I mean, thumped it in from close range. Would you please see Dyer get off the mark? Yeah, he Dyer, the mark. He's, got, he's got a couple of goals, to be fair, at Dyer this season, to be fair to him. Yeah, I, I think he scored three goals. Uh, I, was, I was looking, I think that's the same as um, David Luiz at Chelsea. So, <laughs> uh, like, he's, 
he comes up with the the important goals here and there. I, I was pleased for him because obviously he's had a bit of stick as well. He's been injured or ill for the majority of the season. Probably, probably feeling that he's lost his starting space really because when Winksy and Sissoko are both fit, they're probably going to start ahead of him. So he probably he's probably looking to put in a performance to you know try and get into that Champions League final team. I'm I mean I'm not sure he's he's done enough to do that, but. You know what? I I think I said it a couple of pods ago. He's a, he's a good squad player to have. So um, yeah, I'm got, I'm glad he's back to fitness, and we're probably going to need him at some point. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Actually, he's not a bad player as a, as a squad player, that's for sure. But I mean, I think in terms of starting eleven, I would be stunned if you know Spurs will be fully fit, which Maurizio hopes we will be as a squad for that Champions League final. If De- you know, if Dyer was to start, I mean, I can't see it personally. Could you? No, I I mean, if Winks and Sissoko are fit, they start and. I'd probably say, going on recent weeks, probably Wanyama's probably ahead of Dia in the pecking order to for that defensive midfielder role as well. Like, not I'm not saying I agree with that or not, but that's what that's how it looks. So, I mean, if everyone's fit, he's probably you're probably looking at him being the fourth choice midfielder. So, considering all the other players' forms, I think he's going to struggle to get into that um, that final spot. Yeah, agree on that. Now, one player we're hoping will get a final spot, and that's Deli Ali. Now, he was given a breather for the second half when Wanyama came on. Now, Pochettino, after the game, calm fears about Deli Ali, claiming that, you know, at the moment he doesn't think it's a problem with regards to his injury. He says we need to assess him, but I think he was tired. I mean, Jace, initial concerns. I think when we heard Ali was going off at half time, there was a concern, you know, God, is, that, is Ali going to be right for the final? I mean, he has to start, doesn't he? He's one of our players that he's always got a big goal in him. We'll see what the assessment is, but I think you know at that stage with uh, with with nothing really on the line between you know finishing outside the top four or anything. We're in that stage now where if there's any precaution, you you just take the precaution. You certainly don't let players go on there if there's a, a slight tweak or something because you know in three weeks time that that's it. So you you pull a hamstring or you twist a knee or you do your ankle or something, then you're you're in danger of missing that, and we definitely want Delhi fit for that. So I had no problem with him coming off at all. Mm. I mean, Pochettino went on to say he felt strange in the warm-up, and that's why his performance was so poor in the first half. He couldn't do what he wanted. We made a change at the break, but it is a small problem. I mean, Lee, you don't need me to tell you, Delhi Ali, such a big player for this Tottenham team, and he is one of those guys that you'll want to have in that final because he has the ability, as we've always said on Love Sports shows, and you know we said it on the podcast that he has always a big goal in him, Lee, doesn't he? He does, and uh, Delhi's a is, a is a a fantastic watch when you're live. You know, I've I've said this so many times. When you watch Delhi Ali live, it is very different to watching him on the TV or trying to get highlights from him. I actually don't remember him having a really poor game, to be honest. So even Pochettino's comments about him having a really poor game, like I, I didn't see that person. I thought I, I thought he was trying some flicks and tricks as he normally does he, he was just trying stuff and I think that's where sometimes he gets a bit of bad press and, and the same with Ericsson actually is because these these guys are trying stuff and actually if the stuff they try comes off they look they look world class but you know if it doesn't come off they look like you know they're, they're, they're trying stuff that they, they shouldn't be trying does that make sense so you know, I think that you know we definitely need Delhi fit um, I think I mentioned it on in the run up as well that I think he had his best game since coming back from his hamstring injury um, against Ajax away. Um, and, you know, that that's the real deli. I mean, some of his touches, the, the ball's going through. I mean, maybe the first one, I know we'll come and talk about it later, but the first one for um, uh, Moore's second goal, 
I think it was, or for, for Moore's first goal, sorry. I think he was flicking it for himself. But the other touch for the final goal was absolutely sublime. We need Delhi fit, mate, for sure. Make no bones about that. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was no surprise to me, Lee, that we started to see the best of Delhi Alley in that game when he finished up playing in the position that we all want to see Delhi Alley in. And, uh, you know, he's, he's gone through a lot of criticisms through playing in a much more withdrawn, deeper role. And that's, that's yeah, not spot I don't think that's because he's wanted to play there. Well, Pochettino's actually wanted to play in there. It's because since Weeks has been out with Wanyama and Dyer struggling and that, he's almost, you know, you're, you're the next one in line, so you're going to have to drop deeper. And I think that's affected their whole movement and rhythm in those, in those closing couple of months as well. I think it's been uh, tough, tough for all, but Delhi's, could... Delhi's taken a hell of a lot of flack for that period. And I think, you know, a lot of that is unjust. Yeah, I completely get. And actually, just just on that, we, we'll probably pick our team for the final bit later on. I suppose Rick, you got that for us. But you know, I, I would almost, I would almost rather put Ericsson in a slightly deeper role, so he's like a quarterback type role, rather than Delhi and let Delhi push on in his more favoured position. If we have to squeeze it up because you know because of the personnel changes that we've had to make, so I'd rather see Delhi further forward and Ericsson drop than the other way around. Obviously, I'd like to see both of them forward and have. A proper central midfield, like like I said, Sissoko and Winks. But you know, it, you know, the last couple of months that we've had, we've had to be changing things around. And I mean, I love, it, I love it. I think people still still forget that Deli Ali is 22 years old. He's absolutely fantastic for our football club. He, he lives and breathes everything that we stand for. I think as fans, you know, he wants to be the creator. He wants to be the flash person. You know, if if you was an opposition, you'd hate him. He, he would definitely be the type of character you'd hate. He's got a bit a spike in him which makes him good and he's only 22 and hasn't he scored or assisted more goals at his age than the length of Lampard and Gerrard and all these big names Rick you probably got the stat yeah no you're and right it's like, just fantastic yeah. to have him as, 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 as in our football club and, and I think he only cost five mil didn't he that's it better than Ozil of course but the, the ironic thing is Lee with that you know we talk about Ali and what I will say is he has matured a lot this season. There's been times where players have tried to wind him up. He hasn't reacted. We saw it in the Champions League as well. You know, he's definitely maturing as he gets older, which is great. And again, for me, he's got to start that Champions League final. Fingers crossed we get him fit. But what we had to talk about is some of Spurs' defending. Because to be fair, after we went 1-0 up, Ash, you know, we really hoped Spurs would try and push on, you know, kill the game off. And to be fair, you, we could hear the Everton fans all the time. In that stadium, it was a really weird atmosphere because, you know, the Everton fans chanting because obviously Man City were winning the league. It was a really weird atmosphere, and then Everton played themselves back into the game. Sigerson played in Walcott, who cut inside and slid a shot into the bottom left-hand corner. And the Spurs fans responded by the song of "You're Just a Shit Aaron Lennon" to Theo Walcott. I mean, <laughs> how much does our defending worry you, Ash, ahead of the Champions League final? Our defending against Everton on Sunday was obviously not great, um, and if we want to win the Champions League final, then we're going to have to defend better than that because. I didn't think the front line that Everton put out were was particularly strong. I mean, that that centre forward toss and he doesn't really move. You got Walcott who can only run fast in a straight line, and then Sigurdsson who's poor man's Ericsson. So, in terms of those three, like n- not the biggest attacking threat compared to Mane, Firmino, and Salah who we're going to face on in the Champions League final. So yeah, we we have to be stronger. But then you've got to think that. Most of that defence is going to be changed. I mean, the only one who played was probably Toby, who would actually play in the defence in the final. And then Sissoko played midfield, but he's probably going to have someone different beside him as well. So 
I, I wouldn't take uh, Sunday's defending as how we're going to line up um, in the Champions League final. But by God, yeah, we do we, we do need to improve and stop these silly mistakes. Yeah, I agree with that one. And to be fair, Jay, I thought we were past the days where Theo Walcott would score against us. Didn't he score in the six-two game as well, Walcott? And he I did. think they said he, he's what he's he's had a hand in seven goals in his last eight games against us. I think so. You'd have been better. You'd have been better off leaving him on that stretcher with his little two nil fingers up and just <laughs> bombarding him at the time. And unfortunately, oh, he's come off. Sooner soon he's back on that stretcher, the better, mate. That's for sure. Oh, I've got to say, I've got, I've got to say, Rick, just just adding on to the defence. I've brought this up so many times on the Love Sports uh, on the Love Sports Show that we do. But I think that was in thirty eight Premier League games. I think we've played the same defensive backline. I have a defence and goalkeeper five times, you I think. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. even four. But it's, it's and that, point, for me, it? I think we conceded. Yeah. It is. And we have conceded in the league, I can't give you the stats on the Champions League and whatever, but in the league, we've conceded, I think, 36 or 38 goals. Now, you know, in, in the year that we finished with the best defensive record in the Premier League, when we finished second to Chelsea, um, with 86 points, our points record points total, we only conceded 24 goals. We had the best defence in the, in, the in the back line. And that was the season where we had consistently, I know we rotate to full-backs, so we always did, but we've got consistency in at least the goalkeeper and our two central centre-backs, which was Toby and Yan. And actually, when Toby come to the club, paying whatever he wants, Chase, when Toby came to the club, he, he got that stability, if you like, within that back line. Now, part of the issue has also been central midfield. I get that. We will work as, as a unit, as a team. But when you look at that back four stroke, back five, if you include including the keeper, it's chopped and changed, chopped and changed, chopped and changed every single week or every single game, Champions League game or whatever it might be, cup game. And I think that's the problem. You talk about consistency and you talk about kind of, yeah, making some sort of rotation or changes, but because of the injuries and because of everything we've had to go through this year, we haven't had a stable back line and that's been part of the problem. If you take 10 goals out of that league season, like conceding, like which could have been quite conceivable if we had a steady back line, we could have finished further, much further. Not only got further, we could have been much closer to top two. I think you're right as well, Lee, to, to look at central midfield because, you know, in those those two seasons, as well as Toby and Jan did and things, you had that real protection in front of them when when the first year when we went with Leicester, it was Dyer and uh, Dembele. And then, then as it went further in, it was, was more or less a really fit Wanyama. And Wanyama had real fitness, real mobility, real strength to him. Nobody was going to knock him off the ball. Nobody was going to muscle their way past him. But I think, you know, this season, teams have been able to get through central midfield to get at that back four Spot. a little easier than, than they were in those two seasons. And I think, you know, it's definitely something we have to look at next year. It's not just the, the number eight, the box-to-box, -box, the transition player, if you like. We've, we've really got to get either Dyer or Wenyama or somebody else genuinely fit and playing you know, 30, 35 Premier League games again at, at that level. It was two goals, Jace, in a space of, you know, three minutes. You know, Laurie saved King's initial header from a corner, but then Tosson bundles the ball over the line. As Ash said, the guy that was pretty much not, there was much movement from during the game, but our lack of concentration, Jace, is again there for all to see. Two goals conceded in a matter of a few minutes. Now, we've got a question into the show from Nick at iHawk Nick, who says, what do we need to do to defend corners better, Jace? Do you have the answer? Pay him whatever he wants. Should start heading balls clear. Of him. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, pay him whatever I, he wants, mate. You know, 
when people say playing whatever he wants, every centre half that gets paid whatever they want, Ed's a corner clear. I haven't seen Toby Ed one corner clear all season, but keep paying him what he wants. And you know, he's a senior <laughs> centre half on that pitch Saturday. It's up to him to take control of corners. I tell you, he should be taking control of corners. He should be looking at their biggest threats. And yet, Michael Keane has a, a more or less a completely free header. And I don't understand it, what, what we do. And if you actually look at our setup at corners, I mean, we had the same problem in midweek, didn't we, in fairness, where it doesn't seem to matter who's picking up who, we've been vulnerable from corners all season. I can remember Bolly scoring a completely free header for Wolves from a corner in that Wembley turnaround. It, yeah, it, it's ridiculous on. the amount of, of headers we get. And if you look at it, we seem to change the setup instantly because without picking on Toby, sometimes he's with the what you would think of as your main threat. Then suddenly he's on the back post. Then he's on a near post when you play the next game. It's as if we can't find a settled way to set up for a corner. We can't seem to, to trust somebody to say, look, he's their best header of the ball. You should be with him. But in the old-fashioned school of thinking, you'd have Kane or Lorente usually on that near post for the... You know, so that the corner's got to go over their head. And you'd give Toby and Yan or Toby and Sanchez or Sanchez and Yan and whatever. You'd say, right, you're marking their biggest threat from a corner. And yet you hardly ever see Toby on what you would think of as the biggest threat on the other side. And I have no idea why that's not the case. 100% agree. Just... just to butt in there quickly, we had we had Trippier. I know he's marking and blocking the run, but you could argue that he was marking Billet not only in the second leg at the, at the IXM, but he was doing it at the first leg as well. And and uh, we, again, we brought it up a couple of uh, couple of shows ago in Love Sport as well. What is happening here? Literally, you know, it, common sense tells you that your biggest threat from a corner should be marked by your biggest or better header of the ball, like not a bloody fullback. I can't, exactly. I can't get that. Exactly, Lee. And in that final, you look who Virgil van Dijk will be marking. Fucking hell, honestly. Virgil van Dijk's being marked by Kieran fucking Trippier or Sergio Aurier. I'm going over there. That's an absolute disgrace. Like, Virgil van Dijk, that is, that is why I get passionate about this part, right? Because then I can let my tongue go a little bit. So, sorry, listeners. But the reality is this. We cannot afford to make any mistakes against Liverpool and against that defence in the uh, corners. You ca- it's, it's unforgivable, to, in my opinion, this is my opinion, it's unforgivable to let in from a corner. I don't, I, I'm sorry, is, the, is it a fucking Bournemouth? Nathan Aki? I know we had nine men, but are you having a laugh? Like, are you having a laugh? Wanyama just strolling around. He, he's, he was playing centre-back and then Poch moved into central midfield for about the last five minutes or whatever and he didn't pick up Nathan Ake. That's why we dropped the point. It's just, it's just fucking basic. Ash, come on, wade in here. What do you think about our defending? I know you brought it up earlier, but we're, we're going to have to defend better, aren't we? I, mean, I can't believe we'll win the final against Liverpool. We're not going to put one of our weakest defenders on one of Liverpool's strongest headers of the ball, are we? We won't, Ash, will we? Um... Well, we probably will, but <laughs> it's, oh, I, I just get annoyed because we meant to have two of the most experienced centre backs probably in the world. Two of the yes, true. probably, probably I, I would say they're in the top three partnerships in the world. I can't think of many other better partnerships as a two yeah. in terms of experience, quality. Like that, they're, they're two amazing centre backs, but to not be able to organise and take charge of the defence is just. It's just ridiculous, especially in in circumstances like a corner. Like that, that's basic. You get taught that when you're 
when you're five, six years old. Um, I've, I've always been an advocate of man marking. I don't see this point of zonal marking, giving a player a run. You should mark one man and you run where he runs, you out jump him when he jumps and you head the ball away. It's as simple as that. Totally. Do your job, isn't it? Isn't it, Ash? Do your job. As simple as that. Do not let that man in front of you get in front of your score. Don't, don't do it. That's oh, so all you've got to do. And if everyone does that for, to a man or to a player, so, so to speak, then, then you're happy days, isn't you? I mean, I just don't get it. Yeah, and especially when you're defending with a full complement of players, right? You're going to have a few more players in the box than them anyway. So you can go man for man, and then you can put a couple of players in strategic positions, maybe one at the front post, one in the middle, where if the ball does go into these dangerous areas, they can hit it out. And that's only if one of your players has, has slipped and not done their job of marking their own man in the first place. So there shouldn't actually be a reason why, why any attacking team should win a header. And if they do, they shouldn't have a free header. That's just basic. Uh, and the, the other, the other thing as well, just to add, and let's just throw this one into the into the Melbourne pot while having a quick old moan, is how we're setting up on corners. Is where was Lucas Moore at the? Like, why didn't he come up the pitch? Like not being, he's, he's not a bad header of the ball. Don't get me wrong, but he's got pace to burn, and he, you need to have some one of their centre backs or at least a couple of their full backs thinking about it the other way. Because if we do manage to win a header, God forbid, at a corner and header it out. You need an out ball, and Lucas Moore is perfect for that. And every corner that Everton had, he was either on on the edge of the D, like on the on the edge of the eighteen yard box, not further up the pitch. And you've got to give them something to think about the other way. Do you not agree, lads? And they, they weren't doing that either. So we were defending too too much in and around our box rather than attacking. We were defending not to uh, we were uh, defending not to lose rather than defending to attack. Do you understand what I mean? We need to be bolder than that. You need to put your big players in the big areas and you need to you need to win the ball, attack the ball, win the ball and take command of your area. And again, I'm not having a go at Hugo because, you know, a lot of... Rick, I'll leave that to you, mate. You like having well, a go at not. Hugo. He's made some wonderful saves this season. To be fair, Lee, that, that save against Arsenal is pretty much, you know, that's what got us the top four spot. It, it did, but the point being is, again, be commanding in your area. Of Come out and say, no, lads, I'm going to take this, I'm going to have this, or whatever. I'm not saying he could have done that for the Aki goal against Bournemouth for the Toussaint goal, but come out and command and start being more of a commanding force in your area. Maybe we won't have to defend the way that we are. But it is basic stuff that I think that Poch and the coaching staff need to get hold of because Van Dyke is going to have a field day in that, in that uh, at, at corners, I tell you. Now, one guy set pieces did take a turn for the good is Christian Eriksen. I can't believe what I see in Jace. A free kick from the day. And at last, he curled a beauty in the bottom left-hand corner. And Eric Dyer ducked in the wall at the perfect time, Jace, to bring us level against Everton. I think it was his first Premier League one since Swansea, wasn't it? Back in, what, three seasons? That was the Leicester season, wasn't it? The That's Swansea one, yeah, I think. Yeah, 15, yeah. He scored kick. two, didn't he? He scored two that day. Yeah, two yeah. v Swansea that day. Yeah, yeah first, from a free, first from a direct free kick in the Premier League since October 2015. I mean, that's insane, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, considering every time he takes one, you get whoever the co-commentator is saying, oh, there's danger now that Ericsson's about to take one. You think, well, no, there isn't. Not at all. <laughs> so, no, it was, uh, was, was nice to see him do that. And it wasn't the top corner, was it? Picked his bottom spot and, and Pickford uh, probably took one, you know, half a step too many and left that bottom corner, but brilliantly found. And it was, was nice. It was important, I think, to just bounce back rather than the game drift away into a... 
and to a, yet another home defeat because it would have made it three home defeats in a row. And we certainly don't want that coming out of the stadium. So important to get that equaliser and just you know, make sure we, we, we picked up that point, that's for sure. Of course. And, you know, Lee, crazy stat here. Prior to that game, he had 17 attempts at goal from free kick. So he was definitely due one, Lee, wasn't he? He was. And, I, and I, I've got to be honest, I was very happy. But I did, the geezer next to me that was, uh, that was saying to you off air before that he was a season ticket holder, but I've never seen him before. And, and I was sitting in my season ticket seat. Um, he, he was like, uh, oh, yeah, um, he's going to hit the first man uh, every corner. Every corner he took, oh, yeah, he's going to hit the first man. Or, oh, he's going to hit the wall. So the fact that, um, uh, you know, he, he stuck it in the uh, in the bottom right corner was nice. It, it, was a, it was a nice guy. And like Jay said, it was important that we got that goal relatively quickly after conceding such a hash of a guy at the end. Mm. We, we, we should actually say as well, we scored from a corner because Ericsson didn't take the corner. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It was Lamella, was it? Lamella could make it up. First man. So that, that, that also came in handy, didn't it? It does indeed. Rick, if I, if I may as well, I don't know if you're going to talk about Ericsson, but just talking about Ericsson, I, I was looking, watching him, I stayed behind obviously and watched the parade and all that sort of stuff and, and, and uh, giving the, the, the players a bit of a send-off and stuff and he had his, uh, um, his, his, uh, his wife, I think, on the, on the pitch and his, and his little uh, little one as well on the pitch and whatever. And I was trying to, you know, you're trying to look at the body language, aren't you? You're trying to look at kind of, you know, is he waving goodbye and all this sort of stuff? And it's virtually impossible to tell. But what, one of the things that, that I thought about Christian Eriksen against everyone else on the night that I'm sure we're going to go into a lot of detail about Wednesday night was did, did anyone else think he was a bit like I don't know like underwhelmed by it or would you think he was so overwhelmed because he was he was one player that didn't really react like everyone else it was just kind of like oh well you know I did anyone know. else feel that or not I don't know I mean I'm, I'm really not sure I mean Eriksen you know what? he, he... Do you know what's funny? This season, I know he hasn't played to his full potential. I think we can always agree with that, Christian Eriksen. But do you know what? He's been involved in 20 goals in the Premier League this season. 8 goals, 12 assists. Only Harry Kane with 17 goals, 4 assists has been involved in more for Spurs. Do you think, Ash, on that basis, when I read a stat like that out, do you think maybe we've been harsh on Eriksen this season? Or do you think the criticism he's got has been fully warranted? I think when you just look at the statistics alone, obviously he's, he's up there with... like. Was it the same amount of assists as Hazard or something? And he's, right. he scored yeah, a load he's of goals. Right he's like, I, I guess it's the, the high standards we have of him. And I guess for me, the the type of player I want Ericsson to be is I want him to be someone who's who's controlling the game, like a Luka Modric style player who 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 will take the game by the scruff of the neck and you know uh, ping balls about and just just t- dictate the game. And I. I don't think he's he's hit that level, and I think that might be uh, what some of the Spurs fans are on about. They kind of they want that, that extra bit more from Eriksson. Yeah, he, he he does ship in with a lot of goals and a lot of assists, but you you can see the potential in him. And I guess sometimes when you watch him, you think you've got the impression maybe he doesn't care as much or just a bit lazy. But then. But then when you look at the stats, he runs the most. Like He's got goals and assists. So. Always runs the most, doesn't he, Ash? That's the thing. I totally agree. Always runs the most. He runs more than any other player, which, again, is a, you know, a, a manager's dream for a number 10. You know, he yeah. scores, he assists, he creates. He, you know, I don't know what you call it. Maybe it's just a creation or it won't be an assist, but he normally puts the ball through before the person assists for the goal. I don't the know what that is. Or the semi-assist. Yeah, pre-assist or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know, that he does that a lot. Sorry to jump in on you there, Ash. But I think, you know, for me, that's I'm not moaning at Christian Eriksen. I'm just, I just felt that 
maybe I'm reading into too much about this whole Real Madrid thing, this whole contract scenario. I've just felt his body language weren't right even after the Ajax game. And, and uh, you know, for, for everybody to be so overjoyed for what we've achieved. And he was just kind of like, you know, well, is that his ice called Dane self, isn't it? Like, yeah, you know, what, kind of whatever. Yeah, but that, that's kind of always been his persona, though. I don't, yeah, maybe. He's never been one to, like, get completely carried away. Like, yeah, he's even... To be fair, even when he scored like last-minute winners, he run, he runs down to the corner flag, does his little knee slide, but he's not fucking like beating his chest and. Uh, <laughs> no, it's true, it's true. <laughs> like, think, like, yeah. That is just him. So I don't know. I think that I guess that can rub off on the wrong way. Some people might see Harry Kane's uh, like enthusiasm and think, why isn't he like him? Why isn't he celebrating like him? Why isn't he? Why doesn't he show the passion that he shows? But that's just the way he is. I, 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 I don't know. Like I. I'm yeah, not... no, I agree. I know. I, I hope you're right. I, I don't want to lose Ericsson. I want to put it on a record on the pod right now because there'll be people like Chris Callan shouting at us, going, he's world class, and, and he is world class. And, you know, I think the expectation that we've got on Ericsson is high. You know, I think that it, all the media talk so much about, and you brought him up there, Ash, Eden Hazard. Oh, he's world class, he's this, that, and the other, and he's, he is a bit of a genius and all that. But when you look at the amount of assists that Ericsson's got year on year on year, he's played, I think, Rick, you said this a couple of months back, he's played more games than anyone else or had That's more it. starts than anyone yep. else in the last six years. He's run more. You know, the, the guy is the dream for a manager and he's a brilliant, brilliant player. And, he, and actually, dare I say, he is a Tottenham player. Like, he is a player that Tottenham love to have. Um, you know, so so maybe we, our expectations are a little higher. I think that actually the return, like you say, when you, when you look at the stats and you read them out, the return this season is 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 fantastic. It's just sometimes he feels a bit lacklustre in 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 his performances, which which is weird. Mm, and to be fair, Jason Eriksson's been the one that set those expectations of how good he has been in the Spurs shirt since joining the club. Yeah, but as as we said the other day, those those moments of really stepping up in the big games that. You know, like that Chelsea game last year where we finally won at Stamford Bridge and one nil down and he stepped up and smashed in that goal just before half-time and things like that. But, you know, in fairness to him this year, I suppose the flip side would be he won us last-minute winners against Burnley, last-minute winner against Brighton, the, the Inter Milan game. And, you know, he's a game like that where you look at that final and think we were almost out that night and he stepped up. So it's, it's difficult with him. I think they're right. The, the standards that he sets are now so high. I think probably what I would look at Christian Eriksen now, I suppose the difference is that his bad games now should still be six or seven out of tens. Not, not you know, he shouldn't now be in a game where he just goes through it and you, you barely notice him and it drifts him by and you think, why didn't Eriksen show up today? So, you know, I think it's his, his, low, his low level of performances has to be better rather than the, the best level of performances have to be better, if you see what I mean. He's just got to be more consistent on his bad yes, good point. Where, where he doesn't just turn up for the odd, little, the odd little pass. You think, no, Christian, even your bad day, I want to see you creating three or four you know, good chances, and you've got to step up more in those types of situations. Do you think that part of that is a perception thing that we've just talked about, but also part of that is the fact that, actually, when Christian Eriksen's fit, he plays. There's, there's literally no other person. You might say, you could argue Lamella, but, you know, we know all of his injury problems and what he hasn't done and whatever. But as a number 10, you could argue that we haven't actually got somebody else that's going to come in and fill in for Christian Eriksen. I mean, I, I don't know. You could argue that about Kane. Or you could argue that about Delhi and all that sort of stuff, I suppose. But you've got a Son and a Mora that, you know, are now playing together. 
because of circumstances, but actually you'd probably play one or the other if a fully fit squad. But with Ericsson, he plays every time, doesn't he? Yeah, he, well, he's, he's a unique member in our squad at, at that particular role, isn't he? You know, as you yeah. say, Sonny, Moore and Sonny could, could kind of switch. And I suppose if, if Eric Lamella was a lot fitter, you'd be able to rest Ericsson, you know, occasionally a little bit more. Yeah. Or just say, look, have a couple of games out and, and, and get yourself going. But with Eric Lamella's fitness issues and, and with Sonny being unavailable for games and then Kane's injury and things and Delhi being out, it's been very, very hard to get Ericsson any type of rest. So I'm sure, you know, the chance of him hopefully being there next season after a summer with his feet up and, and getting fully refreshed would be a help. But I, I don't think it's actually helped him this year in Kane. And we have been seeing Deli Ali drop deeper, and so th- those types of runs that he's usually so good at picking out haven't haven't been there. But I mean, in Ajax the other night, where Deli had the chance, where the keeper made the save straight after half time. Yeah, good it chance, wasn't it? Volley. That was a that was a typical Christian Eriksen bent ball into the box, spotting the run, and because Deli's not been making those runs, then that passing route for for Eriksen's not been there, and and perhaps he has had to play a lot squarer and things like that without that forward thrust. I think it's a combination of all sorts of things this season. No no one specific thing for him. Now, chaps, we were going to do... Well, we were going to discuss the goal of the season, player of the season, but Jason, you know, right, reminds me, our season is not over yet. We've got a Champions League final. Come on, forward you to. Spurs. So Come we, are, on. we are not going to be going into real detail in terms of our own player of the season, goal of the season. We'll be doing a later show on that, but... Let's have a quick word then, just in terms of, are we surprised in terms of the decision made by, you know, the supporters, the scenes that get olders really, memberships, about the fact that Huminson scoots both awards? I mean, Ash, I'll start with you. He won the Cubs Player of the Season award and the Goal of the Season, rightly, you'd probably say Goal of the Season against Chelsea. But how shocked was you that Muta Sissoko wasn't named the Player of the Season for Tottenham? Well, I voted for Muta Sissoko just on the basis that he's been an ever-present throughout the whole season. He's he's come on leaps and bounds, he's improved so much, and I think he's he's become a very vital member of our team. Like he, he plays central midfield, but he also can cover it right back. He's been he's been shipped all over the place really. And I like he would hundred percent be my player of the season. My only gripe with the Sonny one is that yeah, he he was outstanding when uh Kane was injured just over I think it was around Christmas just when he got back from um, well just after Christmas when he got back from the Asia Cup where he won us maybe three or four games on his own scoring those vital goals that that was the time he stepped up and really needed him but then he has blown a bit hot and cold since then and he has missed quite a few games through being on international duty so by virtue of that I'd give it to Sissoko just because he's been there He's been there all season and he's been immense for us. Yeah. Joe, I will say about Sissoko, I mean, I think the reason why so many fans are warming to him is because I've always said with him, it's a guy that has transformed his Spurs career. He came in, big price tag, which weighed heavily on him, you'd have to say. And I think, to be fair, when you've got that price tag, the same as Lamella, they've really suffered with having that over them. And what Sissoko has done, like I say, over the period of these 12 months, is he's literally, you know, he's found his best position now in the Spurs team. He's regained his confidence. And, you know, whilst Sonny has got the 12 goals in the league, the eight assists, with Sissoko, what you've found is, like I say, every game, you know, it, consistently he's been eight or nine out of ten. Now, I'm not going to ask Lee or Jason for their plan of the season yet. i got to hold their thought because, like I say, we're going to do a show on that after the Champions League final when hopefully we've gone and won the bloody thing. 
Fingers crossed. We will have. Fingers crossed. But we are going to discuss Maurizio Pochettino's comments after the game. Because Maurizio did say that he has confirmed his talks with Chairman Daniel Levy over his and his own Spurs future we put on hold. Jace, do we read anything into that? Or is that typical Maurizio not giving much away to the media? I, I was I was a little bit... I mean, the build-up to the game, when he, he spoke, I just thought, why, why, why are you coming out saying that now? Because for me... First of all, a hundred percent agree with with everything that he said. But a little bit like the Danny Rose thing, it should be said in Daniel Levy's office. It should have been said over the last, you know, ever since the January window shut. And I just think we have a cup final, the biggest cup final we will ever be in in our history. And the last thing we need is a period of three weeks dominated by the media saying, "Is Pochettino going to stay here? Isn't he going to stay here?" And you just think for three weeks, all we should be concentrating on and the only thing that should be be in the media is what's happening in that football club with the terms of that final. And and so, you know, I thought there's no need to say it. Say those words after the Champions League final on the on the Monday morning. I don't have a problem with that. But don't don't create a circumstances for the media to be generating stories and and creating stories around us in the build-up to our final. It's, it's just needless. And like I say, those conversations between him and Levy should be going on behind Daniel Levy's closed doors, and they should already know what the plans are for the summer. I think it could be a masterstroke in what he's saying, because um, I just go back to what Mourinho used to do. When he had the ma- when he had his winning teams, he used to, think, used to tell his team, it's all about us, it's everyone against us, everyone hates us. Pochettino's putting all the pressure on him. He's bringing all the all the media attention onto him, and it's taking all the media attention off of the players. So the players can go and concentrate on on the job they got to do. They can concentrate on the final. And yeah, all the build up. It might it might be uh, uh, talking about Pochettino and what Pochettino is going to do. But let's be honest. He he knows what he's going to do. He's had those discussions with Levy already. That. They've, they had a five-year plan. They, they, they know their next plan. They're not stupid. They, they would like You see how close they are on the pitch after that uh, Ajax game. I'm, I'm 99% sure they know what they're doing in the summer, and I'm 99% sure they know what, they, what their aims will be going forward. So I don't think it's such a bad tactic to deflect all the, all the attention off of the players, let them concentrate, because... You know what? If if he didn't do that, the media is going to be building up our team and say, "Oh, can Tottenham do it?" Um, same old like Tottenham. They always get there, but don't quite have enough. Like he's he's brought all the attention onto him, and I don't know. There's a part of me which thinks that's what Mourinho used to do: get the attention off of the players, and it always used to work for him. So why not we try it for once? Shortly, I'll put something to you. Do you think, in a way, you know, he's in his strongest position of power at Spurs at the moment? You know, he's got Spurs in a Champions League final. Now, as we discussed, you know, where he's taken Spurs in terms of essentially qualifying for the Champions League, despite all of the circumstances we discussed, you know, the stadium transition, the players ate back from a World Cup, you know, not making any signings. Do you think now he can use this to his advantage? And that's the reason why he is, you know, feeding this line to the media. This is an opportunity to kind of get the most out of Daniel he can possibly can or possibly can do before the summer comes along in terms of the window opening. I've been pondering this. So I was at my lowest when I 
Rick, Jace, uh, Ash, you'll, you'll know as well. But I was at my lowest after that IX home mm. home leg. Yeah, I, I was low, mate. I, I I was really low. I just thought it was all falling apart, and you know, and blah blah blah. I went on Twitter and whatever. But I, you know, it, it was a hard defeat for me to take, and and actually. Going to Amsterdam, like I was out there, Ashley was out there as well, weren't you, on, on Wednesday. I was, I was out there on Wednesday, seeing what we did, what we did, and how we were cheating. What, unbelievable. And I just agree with Jace to, to a point where it was unnecessary for Pochino to come out and say them things. It's almost put a bit of a dampener on where we're at. Like you're kind of giving the fans an ultimatum here, almost to go, look, actually, if I win the Champions League, I'm going to say, see you later, my five-year project's done. That's that's part of what, what he might have been saying. But the other half of me exactly agrees with Ash, and I'm kind of going, well, no, I actually think it is a deflection. I actually do think that he's been very, very clever to take his the pressure off the players and, and, and all that sort of stuff as well. Because I cannot believe, like I couldn't last year, when he'd done the exact same thing and done some weird statement after the 5-4 Leicester, uh, Leicester game when we won 5-4 last game of the season. And he come out and said, now's the time to be brave. Now's the time to... And everybody, we're even still talking about it now. What did he mean? Did he mean signings? Did he mean no signings? Did he mean bringing all of the skips through? Whatever. No one ever really knew. And that's kind of what you get with Potticino. He, 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 he either wants the attention to bring it on to himself um, because he wants to protect his players... I cannot believe, for love nor money, that he and Daniel Levy and the rest of the club don't know what their next five-year plan is. He's, he signed a new five-year contract last year, so he's not going to pen a new five-year deal not knowing what the next steps are, is he? Let, let's be honest about it. But but the other thing that's really f- infuriating me is that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is at the wheel, right? We all know that. And the wheel is down the bloody road, mate. It's not even on a car anymore. It is down the road. And... Already, the media now are talking about Potticino for United again because they want it to happen. You've got all your major media outlets and all that sort of stuff now speaking about it, doing phone-ins on it and so on and so forth. And that, for me, is the last thing that you want is that Potticino's made these comments, he might leave... Oli is might not be at the wheel much longer. Let's make sure that Potticino gets a United job because that, for me, is, is probably the wrong distraction. So... I know I've rambled on for ages, but I, I hope that, Ash, I hope you're right. And, and, and I want to believe that that is the case. And I think I do believe that. But I just think that he could have avoided all of it by not saying anything. Well, John, these comments are interesting. He says, we're going to have time to talk after the final. What ha- whatever happens, happens. And for sure we're going to talk. But now it's about being focused on working hard and how we're going to manage and handle the players to arrive in the best condition ahead of the Champions League final. I think we can make history. Now we've got a couple of minutes Let's discuss about making history because June the 1st, I think it's the biggest day ever. Uh, I, well, I've got to be careful, I just got married. But honestly, Champions League final, <laughs> honestly. It's in, your, in, in your football world, you mean? In, in your football, football world. world. <laughs> it's going to be remarkable. Lee John, it still hasn't sunk in. So, I mean, let's discuss it because we've got a question in here from James at JC underscore THFC. Jace, I'll ask you this one. He says, how do you think Liverpool's mindset will be going into the final after losing the Premier League? Will they be more hungry or will they be deflated, Jace? I don't think hunger comes into it because I think, you know, they're hungry now for a trophy that they haven't got. If they'd have won the Premier League, you'd be hungry to win the double. You know, it's a Champions League final. If, if you've got problems being hungry for it, then I would think you'd never, but you wouldn't make the final if if you had hunger problems. But it, I think there'll be a little bit more media pressure on them because Klopp will now be thinking we could well have nothing to show for our season. And let's be fair, as I said on 
the other day, as, as much as I despise them, and my God, do I despise that football club, you have to give them a, a credit and say 97 points, one defeat all season. And, you know, they've not once gone anywhere and parked the bus or anything. They've played fantastic football. And so to have a season like they've had and end up absolutely with nothing to show for it really would be difficult for them. So I'm sure there'll be lots of hunger and lots of desire there. But I think we'll be just as hungry. The one thing that, that I, I said last Thursday that we have to get right is we can't go there happy to be in a Champions League final. No. You know, their fans weren't crying Agreed. when they beat Barcelona. We're in tears. We, we can't believe it's happening. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I, I totally understand why we are. But, over, I, you know, it's a good thing that there is a few weeks because we have to get our heads around it now. And we, we can't just go there thinking, well, we're in a Champions League final like, like little clubs do. And we, we've had a fantastic season just by being in it. We've got to go there to win it. And we've got to approach the game in exactly the same mentality that Liverpool will do. Yeah, I mean, question here, Lee. This is from SM Part, SM Part, who says, Harry, if fit for the final, would you start him from the beginning or from the bench? Now, it's interesting because I think the dilemma faced a lot of Spurs fans. And I was asked the question on the ground on Sunday, you know, what do you do? Lucas Moura, he's just going to score a hat-trick in the Champions League final. I mean, how do you leave him out of this team, you know, and maybe play Harry from the start? I mean, what do you do here? Because Sonny... Ericsson, Delhi, everywhere you look, there's quality. I mean, that's what you want. You want difficult decisions to be made. But, God, this is a tough one, isn't it? Well, it is a tough one. I mean, but based on Lucas Moore's performance uh, yeah, on Sunday, uh, <laughs> he, can, he can be dropped to the bench. <laughs> I know that's harsh. I'm only joking. Um, I, I, he was absolutely unplayable in certain times of that game at Ajax. He was outstanding. I mean, that last 40 minutes, as it ended up turning out to be, was was most incredible. I've said, I don't think it could have got as any more insane than the Man City quarterfinal. Let's be brutally honest. I don't think any of us thought that. I think that's why the emotion just overrun us. And a lot of the fans, me included, I was out there and I was crying and you know, I just couldn't hold it. And it was just an amazing moment to score the way we did, like in the 96th minute. And everybody thought that when Jan Vertonghen had hit the bar, let's be honest, like, did you all not think that was our chance that well, we missed? Course, and, then, and then the rebound comes off the line and you're just thinking, ah, yeah, but we got another chance and we've done it. And that just don't happen to Spurs. That don't happen to Tottenham. Little old <laughs> Tottenham or big old Tottenham, it don't happen to us. We're normally the ones that are on the floor being shot like um, like the Ajax players was. Uh, sniper that Jason put out on Twitter this week, it looked like they had been snipered. Now, that's normally us, and that's where the emotion was was pouring out. Now, on, on, the, uh, on the Liverpool situation, how we approach the game with Liverpool, um, do not make any mistakes, Tottenham. That, that is simple as that. Do not make any mistakes, because I think that we have got the beating. And the reason why we will beat Liverpool, and I, I, I'm not confident because I'm, you, you can, you're not Spurs if you're confident, right? But, but at the end of the day, the reason why I think we'll beat Liverpool is because they are so confident, they think it's already done. They are cleaning their trophy cabinet already with that Champions League final. I've, I've heard their fans, I've seen their fans on, on social media, I've heard them on different radio stations. They think they're going to come and wipe the floor of us. And that arrogance in itself is one of the reasons why Jace despises the football club and despises the fan base. It's why we do it so we don't like them so much as well, because they've got lack of respect. And I think 
regardless of what Klopp and the players do, I think that is what's going to be their downfall. They will actually think that they wipe the floor of us in the two games this season. They forget the 2-2 at Anfield last year and what, what could have been. And, you know, that we, gave, we gifted them an, a, a, an own goal uh, at the Anfield this season. That, it, it's close between the two teams. And on our day, we've proven it, we can beat anybody. And I, and I think we will. On the Kane question, sorry, but on the Kane question... I'd start him, and you know I would, because he's Harry Kane. He's one of our own. He's the best number nine in the world. And if he's fit, he's got to start. My only question mark against or, or, or that and the, on the starting and the fitness is, how do you get him fit? Because he might be physically fit, but is he is he um, match fit? So my question to you boys uh, is, is do you think that we're going to play like a, a, a match, uh, like a warm-up match or something, a training ground match in between now? Because three weeks is a long time not to have any matches, isn't it? Well, that is it. I mean, that, that's an interesting one. I mean, Ash, you can answer that question, but also I want to ask you, Ash, just in terms of the game, is, you know, Spurs, whenever they've been underdogs, you know, they've always found a way to win, especially in the Champions League. Do you think that will suit Spurs? Because Liverpool, they've got all the experience there. They're used to winning European titles. Their fans are used to these occasions, whereas for Spurs... It is new to us, and like Jason says, we have to go in there and you know treat the game as not just the occasion, but actually go there and play to win the game. So that I mean that. I feel, what do you think, Ash? You know, how do you see Spurs setting up? And are you confident, Ash? Um, confident is a different thing to uh, what I want, but <laughs> I, um, I see us setting up. Obviously, depending who who's fit, I would start Kane on the bench just because I don't know who who you can drop from that team from, from the semi-final. You cannot drop a player who scored a hat-trick in the semi-final uh, to get you there. You just cannot. And my other, my other point of why I'd start him on the bench is if it goes into extra time and penalties and whatnot, if he hasn't played a game for three months, we're going to have to take him off in extra time. And what, what kind of uh, boost would that give to Liverpool if we're... We're, we're one all 105 minutes in and we have to take Harry Kane off because he's just limping around because he's got nothing left. Um, and in terms of also having that sort of player on the bench, if it, if your team, if you, you set up the way you did against Ajax and you have Harry Kane on the bench to bring on, that's such a boost for the team as well because you think, you know what, we still if, if we're still in the game after 60, 70 minutes, we've got the best strike in the world to come onto the pitch. Like, and... Ash, can I just can I just quickly interject with you there? Just to ask your question. Kane Amora, right? Just clean slate, Kane Amora. Who would you bet your house on sticking away a, a pressure pressure goal? Kane Amora. Who would you put your house on? No, I, I get, I get that, and obviously it's Kane in it, right? It's Kane every time. So be, I'm, I'm not saying drop Mora, but I'm saying play Kane. Just play Mora as well if you want. But do you know what I mean? Drop someone else. The other part is, what happens if you get a penalty in the first or second minute or fifth minute? Kane sitting on the bench. It's tough, it's tough. It's tough. The other, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of what Ash has said, and I, I agree with. The, the one thing I'd say is, Divock Origi scored two against Barcelona, and they beat Barcelona 4-0. Who's playing, Salah or Origi in the final? And if you're Tottenham, who do you hope plays Origi or Salah in the final? Let's be honest. They, they won't be sentimental, will they? They'll say, Mo Salah plays. Divock, thanks a lot for scoring that goal or the two goals against Barcelona, mate. But you can sit on the bench. And if, if we're 4-0 down and we have to chuck you on, so be it. But they, they won't even hesitate to pick Salah. They won't think of who scored we, goals in the semi-final. 
Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Sorry, Ash. Tottenham Hotspur, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club have got the best front four in the Premier League when they're fit, in my opinion. I've said it all season. And that front four, unfortunately for Lucas, he, he's not in it. He might be changing that perception and I've got nothing against him. But if Kane is fit, and that's a big if because of the match fitness thing, but if Kane's fit for me, he definitely plays. Well, John, do, you get more, do you get more from Delhi by having Kane on the pitch as well? That's that's the other thing. There's so much link up between them, isn't there? You you suddenly get a better Ericsson and things like that. So, for for me, if he's fit, you know, for me, he starts 100%. He starts, and if we have to take him off after 60 minutes when we're five nil up and coasting and an extra time is that far away <laughs> from us, then it's, it's no worry, mate. Jot, so. we could run and run. Listen, we've still got a couple of weeks to go, so we've got lots more Champions League previews coming your way. Don't you worry, a lot to be building up ahead of the final. But we're delighted to also announce we've got the Tottenham Hotspur Trust Cat uh, Martin join us this Thursday on Love Sport Radio. So any questions you have for the Trust ahead of the show, whether it be about allocation, accommodation, tickets ahead of the Champions League final, those guys are going to be on the show to answer all of your questions. So it'll be a really, really good atmosphere again. I mean, still a buzzing show. So much to celebrate. I keep saying it. I just can't believe Tottenham Hotspur. Our Tottenham Hotspur are going to be the Champions League final. It's just a miracle. I never thought we started doing this podcast we'd ever discuss Tottenham Hotspur reaching a Champions League final, Jace. Could you? No, probably not a Champions League final. I've, I've, I still believe that we, we will discuss Tottenham winning a Premier League title. But no, Champions League final. No, no I couldn't see that one happening, I must admit. Beyond all our wildest dreams. Well, Ash, thank you for coming back on the show. Perfect, mate. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Don't and up the Spurs. Up the Spurs. And Lee, you'll be back with us in the coming week to discuss this Champions League final, that's for sure. Absolutely, mate. And I just I just want to leave all the listeners with saying this way. Every single person that backed Liverpool and the 97 points and this, that and the other and Van Dijk and the 200 million or 250 million they spent, this, that and the other, cast your minds back before they spent all that money. Last season, they got in, they finished behind Spurs. They finished fourth place in the league because they hit a Champions League final and then they went out in the summer, they spent big and they've just got the third highest record points total in the Premier League. Are Spurs on the similar sort of journey? You bet your bottom dollar we are, but this time we're going to do it with a Champions League final win under our belt. Come on, you Spurs. Honestly, I'm getting goosebumps you talking about it. And Jace, we've got a big show Thursday, obviously, but I mean, these next couple of weeks, this is so exciting, isn't it? If you can't enjoy being a Spurs fan now, you you never will be, can you? Stop stop all the moaning that's going on and, oh, don't worry about who we should be signing in the summer. Just... Put all your energy and all your thoughts and, and get everything sorted for that Champions League final and then, then worry about everything after June the 1st, mate. Just can't can't wait for it. So excited. Not in the least bit nervous for it. Absolutely buzzing for it. Can't wait for it to happen. Yeah, we've waited for this, haven't we? And we've waited all our lifetime for this. So we've got to enjoy it whilst it's here. Deserve it. We deserve it. Yeah. Tottenham fans, right now we deserve it. And you're spot on. Get up for it. Get behind the team. Get out to Madrid if you can. I know it's horrifically expensive, but, you know, Ash, you, you're, you're backing me up here. Amsterdam was amazing uh, to go out there and see the, the fans. Well, Ash, it was amazing uh, out there to do it. If you can get a chance to go out there to support the team or get down to the stadium. I think the stadium is screening, the Champions League screening. Is that right, Rick? They might, yeah. they might be yeah, doing that. Right. You know, get, get down to pubs in, in the UK. Get around the Spurs fans. This is a massive, massive time to be a Tottenham Hotspur fan. And, you know, best stadium in the world, best training facilities in the world, world-class players, world-class managers. And now the, that trophy cabinet that all of our mockers, all of the haters have been saying it's been empty and we don't win a trophy. 
for us to go and win the biggest trophy of them all, the things like Arsenal have never won that trophy before. Do you know what I mean? Like people like you know spend all this money. Man City never won that trophy before. You know PSG all that money never won this trophy. This is a massive, massive day for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, and I cannot wait. No, and, can't and can't wait. I just, can I just finish by saying as well? Don't forget, I always say one game at a time. But come December, we could be world club champions, mate. That is insane. <laughs> We're going to win the Super Cup against one of those London sides and then we'll be world club champions in December. But come on, one game at a time. Jason, if I've ever heard you go and go looking at so advanced of games, I've ever heard a day you'd be looking at advance. Guys, guys, I know I know we're going on a bit and you might you might end up cutting this out with or whatever or putting it in, but just 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 let it drip in. This is the emotion piece that we were feeling that you know we all of us were feeling when we got through chat. Regardless now, as if we win or not, and I and I and I think that we've obviously we've got a good chance to to win. I think we're going in as underdogs, and I think that suits us perfectly. Them arrogant fuckers in the northwest, they can think that they're owed the Champions League because they've won it five times. But you know, we're not gonna we're gonna roll over for them. But but what I was gonna say was, you know, this is a game changer. It has already changed the game. Do you understand what I mean? That nothing now is the same. No, nothing will ever be the same as what we've known it before in the 90s or whatever. It's, it's changed. It's changed. What we now have is different expectations, different players wanting to play for us, different money coming into the club, the stadium, everything that we've talked about. It's a game changer. It's done. And, and that has changed. And no matter what happens with Poch or Levy or whatever, they've done that to our, our fantastic football club. And in our entire history since 1882, we're in a Champions League final. Absolutely incredible stuff, mate. Game changer. And we're going to leave you with that from Lee McQueen. Game changer. Guys, so much to look forward to. As always, come on, you Spurs! Network.